Welcome to Pulling Weeds and Planting Seeds, a podcast for growing your... You know, growing up with so many older brothers and sisters, I absolutely understood the meaning of sibling rivalry. Anybody with me? Thankfully, my memory, though, of negative things as a kid is very limited, and hopefully because it's uh, mostly good and not because I'm just getting old. Um, But however, I do remember, you know, my brother Dave and Buddy duct taping me and two of my other brothers to the wall for their entertainment, and uh, yeah, lots of fun as a kid, Um, but that's what happens when you grow up in a big family. I also remember taking the opportunity to tattle on my brothers as often as I could, uh, probably in an attempt to make myself look better. Uh, but come on, you grew up with, if you grew up with brothers and sisters, you did the same thing, right? Where it was, Mom, Brian took a cookie without asking. Or uh, when <laughs> I remember when Doug, uh, my brother, convinced me to hold a textbook up so that he could punch it. And he said he could punch right through the book. And, uh, and that I wouldn't feel a thing. And of course, I held it up and he raised it so that it would be right in front of my face. And he punched it. And of course, the book came and hit me right in the face. And so I yelled, Mom, Doug hit me. You know, or do you remember driving in the car with your siblings? And it was always, you know, Dad, he's sitting on my part of the seat. And when you have three brothers driving in one car with a dad who already has trouble seeing... His uh, his response was just to reach back in and kind of slap whoever whoever was in uh, most reach. And of course, sitting in the middle of the seat all the time because I was the smallest and the youngest, I always got the blunt end of it. So yeah, my tattletale in the car uh, didn't last long. But you know, Genesis reveals some great sibling rivalries. And Jacob and Esau is a great one. Uh, they were literally fighting to get out of their mother's womb. Uh, Jacob was literally grabbing Esau's heel as he was being birthed. And then, of course, we know the story. Jacob swindled Esau out of his birthright for a bowl of lentil stew. And then years later, with the help of his mother, he stole his blessing as well by pretending to be him as he visited his father on his deathbed. So sibling rivalries continued in Jacob's family. Uh, In fact, as his uncle Laban tricked him uh, into working seven years for Rachel, but really he married him to Leah first, and of course that upset him, and he had to work another seven years to get Rachel, and so there was a sibling rivalry birth because of that between Leah and Rachel, and it created this rivalry between these sister wives. And then, of course, we come to Jacob's children, and he had a bunch of them uh, with two different wives and two different concubines, and that right there is a recipe for a dysfunctional family if ever I did see one. And it was this history of sibling rivalry from four moms between 12 sons. And so let me ask you, how does your story stack up to this? I mean, I know I've got a lot of sibling rivalries in, in, in my family history with uh, several different moms and uh, a few different fathers and and all these kids. Uh, so I have half brothers and half sisters and full brothers, and uh, it creates this perfect mix of uh, who's going to come out on top. But it doesn't have to be that way. And so something that God brought to my attention today was uh, was what I like to call earning the right to influence. Uh, 
See, we all have the right to our opinion and our right to speak our minds. Obviously, we have to do it in the right way, but we have to earn the right to influence someone, even in our own family. And so the story of Joseph starts to unfold uh, in Genesis chapter 37, and we discover that he, like me, was a tattletale, and he was a daddy's boy, and neither of which his 10 brothers appreciated about him. And then in the midst of that tension, he reveals these two dreams that, yes, they were from God, and they were amazing, and they were uh, good dreams, but it pushed his family over the edge, and they saw him as this arrogant daddy's boy. Uh, His brothers then, in an attempt to get rid of him, they throw him in an empty well and to sell him as a slave. And then we fast forward about 22 years, and in chapters 42 through 47, we see the dream that was rejected by his brothers comes to pass. And his dream comes to him in the midst of, his brothers rather, come to him in the midst of this famine, and they discover that he's the governor, second only to Pharaoh. And as the story continues, we see that they are all reunited and restored as a family, and it all ends well. But it didn't begin well, did it? Hindsight is always greater, though, isn't it? But what do you think would have happened had his brothers listened to him back when he was 17 years old? And why didn't they? Well, I think it's kind of simple. He, he just didn't earn the right to be an influence in their lives. At 17, his brothers only knew him as the golden boy. He lost their respect because he was always running back to daddy to tell on them. And every time they saw Joseph, they couldn't see past that colorful tunic. They couldn't stand the sight or the sound of their brother. So what does that teach us? Well, I think it teaches us three different things that I want to share with you today. And the first is this. We need to deal with conflict before it becomes a catastrophe. See, sibling rivalries ran in the family, and no one had the guts to deal with it. Instead, everything was like throwing fuel on the fire. But just like Jacob and Esau, blessing can follow if you're able to deal with the issue. See, like Jacob and Esau, 20 years of separation happened before they, before they as brothers, were able to bury the hatchet and move on and see God's blessing. And now Joseph and his brothers, after 22 years, it's time to deal with the conflict. But man, what could have happened if they dealt with it earlier? So what conflicts are you facing right now? Maybe it's with a family member, maybe a coworker or a boss. Perhaps it's with someone on the team that you serve with at your church. Well, here's the thing. Deal with it now before it carries you off and them into slavery for 20 years. You need to deal with the conflict before it becomes a catastrophe. Then the second thing I think we see is that maturity comes by making the most of every opportunity. See, Joseph was able to take his slavery and turn it into a blessing. And it wasn't just a blessing for him, it became a blessing for his masters as well, no matter who it might have been. He didn't whine and throw in the towel, he he made the most of it, and he honored his authority no matter what. See, when we are willing to focus on what lies beyond our circumstance and choose to honor even when it's not fair or when we don't agree, God's blessing will follow. God will judge and reward accordingly. So what difficult circumstances are you facing right now? 
And I'm, I'm sure that it's not the fact that you're being put into prison because you didn't give in to your boss's wife's sexual advancements. Thank God for that, right? It can always be worse, right? But are you making the most of it by keeping your eyes on the big picture, even though you may not know what that is? See, I imagine that Joseph was frustrated. I mean, who wouldn't be? It wasn't fair. He may not have earned the right to influence his brothers at 17, but he didn't deserve being sold into slavery for being arrogant. He definitely didn't deserve prison for doing what was right. But he grew in maturity every time he chose to honor God and honor his authority and make the most of it. The Bible tells us, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you're serving. And the next chapter over, Paul continues and he says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity because maturity comes when we make the most of every moment. Then the third and final thing I think we can learn from this is that tests are tools when we put them in God's hands. From the cistern to the prison cell, Joseph used the lessons learned in his time of testing as tools for God to accomplish his work. See, ultimately, Joseph was able to see his family saved from famine and be restored relationally. See, every experience was a new tool in the hand of God to be used to bless others. First, it was to bless Potiphar, then a prison warden, and then the cupbearer, and then to Pharaoh himself, which in turn actually blessed all of Egypt, and finally, even to his own family. See, after Joseph revealed himself to his brothers, they were, they were speechless and terrified. They weren't sure what he was going to do. But Joseph tells them, don't be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. He looked at it in a totally different perspective. He allowed that te- those tests to become tools in the hands of God. What tests have you persevered through? Are they just notches in your belt or are, they now, are you now using them as tools in the hands of God to bless others? I think you're probably a little like me. I think you want to be an influence. You want to earn the right to not just be heard, but to make a difference. And I think that's what Joseph wanted as well. He just didn't know how to do that at age 17. Maybe he couldn't see past his own reflection in the mirror with that bright coat of many colors. Maybe he couldn't see past his attempts to be noticed and valued and uh, in the midst of his older brothers and that dysfunctional family. See, that we earn the right to influence and bless others by handling conflict quickly and graciously, by making the most of every opportunity, and by putting our tests in God's hands for God's glory. What would your influence be like if you dealt with the tensions as soon as they revealed their ugly heads? How much more mature can you become by choosing to make the most of every moment, choosing to honor no matter what, choosing to see past the circumstances so that you can see the possibilities. What tests have you overcome that are now tools to be used as a resource to help others? See, how we answer those questions determine if we've earned the right to be an influence. 
Thanks for listening to Pulling Weeds and Planting Seeds. I hope that this content has motivated you toward a deeper faith and some next steps in your spiritual journey. If you've enjoyed this episode, encourage someone with what you've just learned and invite them to listen as well. You could even download the study guide and use it for your small group or your next team meeting. And before you go, hit the follow button so that you can get updates with our free content once it's released every few weeks. Share it on your social media platforms as well to show your support. Thanks and have a blessed day.